0: Welcome to the J.D. Power Work at Home podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power and with me today are Mark Miller, leader of J.D. Power's Customer Service Advisory Practice and Scott Killingsworth, Senior Director with J.D. Power's Customer Service Advisory Practice. Mark and Scott, welcome. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be here again.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. Good morning, everyone.
0: Hey, before we jump in, let's just spend a minute on why we are focused on work at home. J.D. Power, within our customer service intelligence practice, uh, we measure and benchmark customer satisfaction with uh, customer service and support interactions. Uh, We do that across uh, many, um, many customers, many brands, many industries. And then over the years, we've actually extended our benchmarking to include operational and organizational best practices. So we know not only which companies are doing well, but how they do it. Uh, so we're, so this work at home focus is really an extension of our organizational best practices work. And our goal for this podcast is to highlight some of the organizational challenges of work at home. And hopefully we'll also point out some solutions. So with that in mind, let's jump in. We've got some great topics for today. Uh, Mark and Scott, let's, let's start with topic number one, and that is around uh, new hires, uh, a recent article about... Um, uh, a company that is addressing work at home issues, and one of their biggest concerns is how to develop cultural connections with new hires. Uh, the tenured employees uh, already have uh, connections; uh, it's easier for them to maintain those connections through virtual happy hours and that kind of thing. But the real challenge uh, that this company is um, thinking through is uh, are the new hires. Uh, so, Mark, let's let's start with you.
2: Yeah, it's um, a total problem, right? Um, I mean, the notion of cultural uh, continuity is nothing new, and then you know, work at home comes in and it adds another wrinkle to this thing. And you know, reading some of the articles out there, knowing what our uh, our best practice companies uh, are doing, I think the watchword here is intentionality, right? Um, You have to be very, very intentional Um, inside the contact center environment, whether it's customer service or tech support, as an example, or sales. uh, You oftentimes have the uh, ability to communicate and create these bonds uh, through proximity, right? Uh, Because... What most people on the outside, not necessarily this audience, uh, may not understand about uh, customer service tech support uh, organizations is that it's highly collaborative and that normally is uh, facilitated through proximity, i.e. you build relationships with those around you, you lean on those around you, and those are all gone. To the point of the article that you were talking about, um, it's, Without those relationships that happen naturally uh, through proximity, you do have to be very specific. So we do like the idea and have seen, you know, top performers do things like uh, link up uh, mentors and mentees and really, um, in essence, inculcate into the group. So this is the small customer service teams where you have a supervisor and maybe 10 to 20 people that you're linking the more experienced folks up with the least experienced folks up. But um, that's one way to uh, both develop and maintain those cultural connections by uh, creating those relational uh, connections. But Scott, do you have any uh, thoughts on this as as well on your experience?
1: Yeah, sure, Mark. Uh, What we've seen in top performing companies that we work with is that Agent attrition is far less likely when solid business relationships are developed, not only with peers, Mark, like you were talking about, but really the most important relationship we've seen is with their direct supervisor. And the most critical time period is during the first 30 days, right? And especially when transitioning from a training period that's highly uh, interactive, they have their peers in the training class uh, in there there's a there's a lot of relationship building that goes on during that training time and then when they start moving uh, to taking calls uh that kind of goes away so that uh, relationship with their supervisors really critical and again especially when transitioning from training to taking calls
0: so that period should certainly be a focus for uh, relationship building okay thanks guys Uh Second topic uh, is coming from an interview with the chief people officer at Zillow. Uh, Really interesting article on how the organization initially resisted work at home and then actually changed to fully embracing it. One of the topics uh, that I think is really relevant and timely uh, with back to school is this idea of how do you how, how can companies help working parents struggling with that balance? Between work at home and uh, and being a caregiver, uh, Zillow actually is taking a three phased approach, which we can talk about in a second. But uh, just Mark, let's let's start with you on on this one.
2: Yeah, and and some of the points that they uh, brought up, which are good and and uh, very much applicable uh, to the environment of customer service, tech support, is actual flexibility in the scheduling, and so. One of the, um, frankly, great advantages that uh, many progressive companies have had is this notion of going out in a virtual environment, right? So this is not necessarily recruiting from your locale, but actively embracing a work-at-home environment as a strategy and taking advantage of uh, an overstaffed situation with micro-scheduling. So, uh, Scott can talk more about uh, some of these other things I want to just touch on this first part is that we would encourage uh, all of our listeners to really kind of embrace this moment in time because the inherent advantages of allowing work at home employees to work micro shifts of an hour here, two hours there, right, that fit right within their schedule Um is a great advantage for hiring uh, more college-educated individuals. As an example, if you look at the work-at-home environment versus a brick-and-mortar environment, uh, back in the day when everyone wasn't working home, you saw a vast disparity in essentially um, educational experience. The work-at-home people uh, far outpaced those who were working a brick-and-mortar. And so the notion is is that you're you go out you find the best people for the job everywhere, and then you allow them to work the schedule that uh, is best for them. And so now these orgs, you have this opportunity today to take some of those best practices and scheduling um, and uh, WFM uh, principles and uh, start to work that in, to how you best serve your clients. So it's a it's a very good opportunity to kind of embrace this reality and um, actually turn it into a plus and a positive. Are some other thoughts here uh, around, you know, um, caregiver leave, that's flexible. Um, you know, Scott and I have spent a lot of time in call centers and some of the best companies that we uh, had an opportunity to work with uh, embraced that kind of uh, that notion of offering more leave rather than uh, less leave would yield lower attrition rates, much higher loyalty and engagement. So, Scott, did you want to comment?
1: Yeah, sure. I know we've we've uh, mentioned attrition a couple of times and attrition is very important. Um driver of cost, but also customer satisfaction. Um, you know, flexibility and scheduling has always been a request from customer service agents. And I know varying companies that we work with, some have more flexibility than, than others, but it's been very difficult to manage due to the reality of scheduling for demand, uh, but also scheduling in a brick and mortar environment, right? So folks have to physically drive um, you know, the, um, the call center has to, has to be open and managed. So this work at home opportunity, uh, that has been given, uh, due to COVID gives both agents and companies more options. Mark, you mentioned some of them like split shifts, the ability to volunteer for longer shifts, micro shifts, an hour here or there when needed, because workers don't have to commute. Um, You know uh i would say that a danger is that it needs to be managed uh, while it is a benefit and while you will likely see um, reduced attrition with more flexibility that worker burnout uh, is one danger uh, and that would certainly uh, need to be managed so i would just say keep that on your radar again it's it's certainly advantage but it could uh, turn out to be detrimental for some workers who volunteer a little too much right
0: yeah thanks guys uh good topic uh next up is an article from the new york times entitled the pandemic of work from home injuries so when we sent everybody to work at home uh we didn't really give them a lot of instruction on best practices around ergonomics and so forth and so we have people working uh from their bed off the couch awkward kitchen counters and so as a result, uh, 92% of chiropractors say that patients are reporting more neck pain, back pain, or other issues since the stay-at-home guidance began. So Mark and Scott, is this is this an is this an issue that employers need to be and then organizations need to be thinking about and, and being being proactive about?
2: Yeah, Mike, in our, you know, we had talked about this previously and and um Yes, the short answer is uh, being disciplined and checking in really with your uh, service uh, providers who are at home, uh, being active and coaching uh, them on where they should sit, shouldn't sit. Uh, We had uh, some companies, um, you know, allow their employees to actually go back into the center's and pull out those chairs, which are designed to be sat on for a long period of time, uh, do offer the ability to move, uh, and is set up to really uh, help lower lumbar support and keep your neck in the right position, et cetera, et cetera. So the point here is a good one. You have to be intentional. Um, And Scott, you know, we have a work at home set of best practices, right? And This is just one of those areas that uh, we cover in terms of uh, practices that you really have to be intentional about as you move people to work
1: at home. Yeah, that's right, Mark. Companies put a lot of time, effort, energy into facilities design, uh, right? There's companies out there building these centers. That's their, uh, you know, that's one of their big focus is to design it to allow agents to do their job and to do it safely, right? They're sitting uh, all day. They're using, um, you know, equipment on a a repetitive basis. So, you know, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome and other repetitive stress injuries uh, certainly happen. Uh, It's no less important when agents move to a work at home environment, but I'm not so sure that it's on uh, every company's radar I'm sure folks listening can relate, but, you know, the first uh, item of business was to get everyone the ability to take calls. And um, I know there's stories of, you know, all the workers lined up to get their laptop in the parking lot. We sent them home. Um, so the first thing was to answer the phone. I think now we've moved uh, on to that. We need to be very intentional about some of the things we took for granted uh, that just happened uh, in our brick and mortar environment, training needs to occur, um, you know, for uh, reducing these types of injuries, uh, you know, home workspace uh, audits and checklists needs to be uh, put in place, if not uh, already. Uh, but, you know, using a laptop in a variety of locations throughout a home that really weren't designed uh, for that purpose can certainly lead to those injuries. So I say now that you know, the triage has occurred. We're answering calls, we're, uh, we're doing it well. Um, you know, we've got some um, maybe months and months under our belt. Now we need to go back and focus on some of the basics, um, you know, like um, the safety that uh, was taken uh, for granted when everyone was hired, all that training occurred and they had a well-designed workspace. So that certainly needs to
0: be a focus. Okay, final topic is, uh, we think a big one, an important one, and that is the impact of working from home on collaboration. So a recent survey uh, identified uh, how working from home is impacting collaboration in three ways. One is the ability to meet and brainstorm. Uh, That's dropped an average of 11% since working from home began. Uh, The ability to maintain social relationships is another impact area. That's actually declined an average of 17%. Uh, and then uh, finally, the ability to have unplanned interactions has really dropped the most at 25%. Uh, so um, Mark and Scott, what do we have a silver bullet at this point on collaboration? We, we know that collaboration is important. We know that collaboration is suffering in the work from home environment. Uh, what, what's the answer here?
2: Yeah, and a word intentionality, Mike. Uh, there, of course, as usual, there are no silver bullets, right? It's a combination of a series of decisions uh, that are intentional around creating environments conducive to uh, collaboration. When you look at this survey, and they really did a good job, right? So they tried to identify ways of working, right? They tried to identify characteristics of uh, how uh, one works and interacts with each other. And one of the things that I liked about it, uh, the research in particular, was that they identified essentially this work social type and they broke it up into sociable networker, solo, and tribe. We don't have the time to get into it all here on this particular call, but I wanted to focus on tribe because... Uh, This is a work social type that is most like what we had seen in traditional brick and mortar contact centers. And now we're transitioning to this work at home. And in in this, this group is characterized uh, by socializing closely with their team, but don't necessarily prioritize expanding those connections across the organization. And um, inside these call centers, that's your world, right? Uh, you're spending all of these hours with the team. And as I mentioned before, that was largely driven by proximity uh, from a peer perspective uh, or relationships that were formed with your new hire class. And as Scott mentioned, you know the most important relationship at all. And over the years, we've seen that the number one driver of attrition is actually a relationship uh, with your supervisor. Um, And so the point being is that you now in this environment have to, in essence, duplicate the relationships that were naturally forming through proximity, through um, the water cooler, the, the fact that you're off at break and lunch at very specific times and you know those people around you. All of that has to be intentionally duplicated in this environment. So, that does mean, as I mentioned, intentionality, that does mean putting time into the schedule for mentor mentee relationship. As we mentioned in previous podcasts and other webcasts, uh, you absolutely uh, positively uh, have to have an interaction. Uh, with folks uh, at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. And so those are some ways to help collaboration from a relational uh, standpoint. So those are some food for thought. There's also technology that's involved uh, additionally.
1: Yeah, Mark, I would say, you know, the, the reality is that customer service organizations have to answer the phones uh, first and foremost. So coll- collaboration, whether in a brick and mortar environment or a work at home environment, uh, has in some uh, ways been at the mercy of the call queue status. So finding time for especially agents uh, to collaborate, which is very important to help solve um, you know, customer issues uh, and internal process issues. Um, it's been very difficult uh, and it has to be balanced. I would say that, you know, the value of collaboration and finding time and a way to make it happen uh, outweighs the impact uh, of some degradation of service service levels through, um, you know, potential increases in first call uh, resolution that that collaboration uh, can bring. But I agree with you, there needs to certainly be a level uh, of intentionality about it and the understanding that there is specific benefit uh, not only uh, to the agents and supervisors to be involved uh, and collaborate together, uh, but also to uh, improve customer satisfaction.
2: Yeah, Scott, that's a great point. I just wanted to you know, wrap that point up with the fact that You know, that is a very, that's a specific practice that we look for, right? That we see over and over again in top performers. So this is us advising those listening on this call to ensure that you keep your scheduled coachings and you keep your scheduled check-ins because as Scott mentioned, though there can be a direct degradation of service levels, if you don't maintain uh, due to, you know, enforcing uh, this collaboration, collaborative environment. Um, though you might see some degradation, it's totally worth it, right? We see over and over again that the top performers are insisting that those uh, things that uh, amount to relationship, relationship building, things like trust, all of that has direct payoffs as you try to execute new plans, ask folks to do things differently down the road, if you don't have the relationships and the trust that are built by maintaining these activities and actions that may short-term hurt a service level, uh, if you don't do that, then you definitely pay for it down the road with attrition, poor execution, et cetera. So it's one of those practical things that, again, you have to be intentional about it. But a great uh, question, uh, Mike, for sure.
0: Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for this time. Mark and Scott, thanks for joining us today. And uh, thanks to our listeners as well. To learn more about the J.D. Power Customer Service Advisory Practice, please visit us on the web at jdpower.com slash business. And we'll see you next time.